Hey everyone, I'm here today to record, um, well, basically to talk about um, the homelessness crisis here in London, Ontario. I'd originally planned to speak with Susan Stevenson, a city councillor, but unfortunately she was unable to speak with me. Now, Susan has been an incredible advocate um, both for the homeless as well as for the people within her ward, Ward 4, um, which covers Old East Village, which is basically a, a central focus for many uh, of home, many of the, those in the homeless community. Um, many people are impacted by homelessness there. And Susan has been an outspoken advocate for the members of the community as well as for the homeless. And she's also taken a stand which is often in contradiction to the rest of the city councillors um, who uh, have not necessarily supported her. However, they should in many respects because she raises very, very valid questions, very, very important questions about how the city council is dealing with the homelessness crisis, where they're getting their money. Um, how they're coming up with their plans to deal with the homeless homeless crisis, um, their lack of transparency, their lack of accountability. She's raising a lot of important questions that every member of city council should be raising as well. Now, this is not to say that she hasn't had some degree of support. Um, she has, but oftentimes she does seem to be a lone voice and she gets persecuted unjustly for that. Her views and perspectives are, not, are completely misrepresented. And she does have the 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 views of the homelessness um in, in mind she does she does support the homeless community she just is questioning the way city is governing this situation the way they are dealing with this situation and for that she gets persecuted um i think we need to give her a fair shake to under, and to try to see where she's coming from because she's not being, being given a fair shake people aren't trying to see where she's coming from of course they make quick assessments and judgments without knowledge and they descend into ad hominem attacks and we've seen that a lot over the past 3 years rather than engaging in any kind of substantive argument or debate uh people resort to attacking others by calling them names this is obviously the sign of those who do not have an argument to support their point of view. So they descend to name calling. At any rate, um, I want to present, unfortunately, Stevenson isn't here to answer my questions, but I'm going to raise the questions that I would have raised with her and leave them with you, my audience, with food for thought and perhaps um, encouraging you to take action, to call your city council members, to ask questions, to raise issues, to contact the media, to ask them to ask these important questions, these tough questions, questions that, of course, the mainstream media is not asking. Um, and they, of course, have been absent for the past three years and asking any hard questions that deviate from a particular agenda. Um, so I just want to review some of the policies and the ideas that city council has come up with in order to deal with the homelessness crisis and, and raise some questions here. Um, and of course, I'm not raising all the questions that need to be to be raised. There are many other issues that have come up. I'm not dealing with everything. Um, I'm just going to present to you the information that I have on hand at this particular time and raise questions around accountability and transparency in relation to this issue. Now, I'm focusing on the homelessness issue here, but believe me, the city council has not been held to account on many, many other issues, and they are not transparent on many, many other issues and the way they spend their money and the, 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 the way that the individuals or organizations they choose to support. Why do they choose to support certain organizations over others? Um, why are, aren't they... Uh, 
aren't they asking the public for how the money is to be spent or how these um, programs to be implemented or what kind of program do we need to best serve the community? And in this case, the homeless community. At any rate, um, we, I know personally, I, I have a deep connection with this stuff because uh, in March of 2020, um, I realized that things weren't as they appear to be. I instantly caught on to the fact that this this whole pandemic, which I refuse to call a pandemic, it's a plandemic, w- was a scam. Um, there are many indicating factors to, to, to prove that. I'm not going to go into that right now. But what I did notice during this time as a result of a lot of the COVID policies is that homelessness uh, was a, it was a serious issue and was on the increase, often due to the policies that the government was setting setting um, in relation to COVID and, and, and other issues. Like, for instance, the way they deal with addiction and mental health. A lot of people who end up homeless are often addicted or ha- have mental health issues or both or one exacerbates the other. Um, they obviously oftentimes are in financial crisis. That financial crisis could have been instigated by their mental health issues and their their drug addictions. But anyway, not always the case, but often the case. And I'm just wondering, um, you know, how are how is the city council dealing with this? Are they dealing with it effectively? It seems to me, though, that they did recognize that we reached a crisis situation. That homelessness was is and was was and is on the rise, and there are more and more addicts in the streets. So they basically took upon themselves to um, come up with a plan to deal with the homelessness crisis. To their credit, they did come up with a plan. So this strategic plan was announced in February of this year, 2023. Apparently, the plan was the result of three summit meetings. There were about 7,200 people involved, frontline agencies and stakeholders community leaders, organizations with vested interests in the issue, social workers, homeless relief agencies, poverty activists, the police, the hospital, etc., all arrived at this plan, which they announced in February of this year, called the Whole of Community Response to Homelessness. Now, apparently it received unanimous approval in the city council. Um, and, And... I'm glad that they have come up with a plan. It's wonderful that they've come up with a plan. Um, but there there are some questions surrounding this plan. So what exactly does this plan entail? Well, apparently in the first year, which is, I guess, this year, the plan is to spend about $2.8 million to build 100 units of housing, of supportive housing, along with five 24-7 low-barrier access service hubs. Um, eventually the city hopes within the next three years to have 600 supportive housing units along with 12 to 15 low barrier service hubs. But apparently these five hubs and hundred units of housing should be set up by the end of this year. Now the low barrier, um, uh, and supportive housing require a little bit more definition. And I wish Ms. Stevenson was here to flesh it out for me, but I guess what this means is that, um, these hubs will be spread throughout around the city, um, so that people who are homeless or in crisis can go there and it's sort of a one-stop shop. Like they can receive assistance with food, drink, health care, mental health issues, unemployment issues, addiction. Um, They might get naloxone kits, that sort of thing to deal with overdoses. Um, So it's sort of an all-in-all, all all 
an all service spot. Like they can get all their needs served in this one spot. And apparently they they can be encouraged or helped with finding housing as well. All right. Great. Sounds good. However, just it was just recently, just a few weeks ago, that the cost of this plan was unveiled. And now apparently the costs are quite significant. Uh, I understand that the 15 service hubs like, and the 580 supportive housing units in the 29 new buildings will cost $217.5 million right at the bat. But that's not all. That's a big chunk of cash right off the bat. But that's not all. In addition to that, it's going to cost approximately $90 million a year to sustain this plan. Now, according to Ms. Stevenson, no one in the city council was informed about this. They just, this, this, this cost, this budget analysis was just submitted to them out of the blue. They were never given any input into um, a cost analysis or um, any input into whether or not they agreed with the amount of money being spent, nor given any indication as to where this money is going to come from. So the city councillors themselves, our elected public, public officials people, were left out of this decision. Why? Now, one of the lead instigators or creators of this plan uh, was city manager Lynn Livingstone. And when she was asked why the, the politicians who are elected by the taxpayer were not involved in this in developing this plan, were not involved in coming with up with this budget. She claimed that the presence of politicians at the roundtable, to use her words, roundtable discussions would introduce an uneven power dynamic and may jeopardize the fragile collaboration between city staff, frontline agencies, and stakeholders. Now, like, first of all, what does she mean by that? What does she mean it would under introduce an uneven power dynamic? Secondly, why is it her place to decide this? Why does she, does she have the right to make those decisions? I thought city council was elected by the public, by the taxpayers. I thought they were there to serve the people. I thought they were supposed to become, be transparent in their dealings and their negotiations and their discussions and the plans that they arrive at and the money they spend, especially where it involves taxpayer money. Why does Miss Livingston, Miss Livingston may feel this way and she may be accurate in her feelings, although I'd like further clarification about what she means. But it, it doesn't it doesn't mean that they have the right to do this. They're beholden to the taxpayer. And yet again, here's another instance of where these people seem to have forgotten that they have been elected to serve the people, not conduct secret meetings behind closed doors, coming up with plans and policies and budgets that are not being made public to those who they are supposed to serve. I, I don't understand how she thinks this is acceptable. Um, now, in addition to that, I guess in terms of where the money is going to be coming from. Apparently, according to Peter Fragiscados, um, a member of parliament, a liberal member of parliament here in London, claims that, well, the city, us, us ourselves, will be responsible for coming up with the money for the first year. Now, Josh Morgan claims, Josh Morgan, our mayor, claims that he's been doing lobbying for money 
um, in, for, to the provincial and federal government on behalf of the council. And he says that in 2022, the province launched this new homelessness prevention program and the city of London got 23.5 million for housing and homelessness funding in 2022, 2023. And also he said that Ontario is investing an additional $700 million in provincial homelessness. But the question is, okay, where is the rest of this money coming from? And Mr. Morgan claims that he has been providing reports to city council about his lobbying efforts for funding. Is this true? Like, where are these reports? Has he really been transparent about raising, um, about how he's been raising these funds? Now, I know and that Ms. Stevenson had asked back in February that there be monthly reports delivered so that the city council would be accountable for the money that they're setting aside for this, um, that they'd be more transparent about their plans here for the home, this homelessness plan. Um, they'd be much more upfront. And she claims that this is not the case at all, that she's, uh, it, it, even though this, this motion to have reports, these monthly reports was supported in a 12 to two decision, she says that the reports she's getting are incredibly vague um, and th that there is, there's very little information given there and that apparently they get deet dates when the meetings are happening, but the details about these meetings aren't there in these reports. So what's going on here? What, what's going on here? Where, where are these reports and why aren't, isn't city council being held responsible for revealing where they're getting their their money and how they're getting their money and and where and and where how they're getting their money and where and how they're coming up with these plans so this is all um very much in question now, in addition to that, um, this community response is supposed to be a whole of community response to homelessness. Well, it doesn't appear that the whole of the community is involved. Apparently, there have been um, meetings or public meetings set up where the public is allowed to come and um, give their point of view about this. But Ms. Stevenson claims that um, the plans have already been made they the these these consultation meetings with the public are a little bit too little too late they already have their plan they're going to go forward with their plan they're 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 just throwing these little public consultation meetings out there as a carrot to the public to make them feel as if they're they're giving input into what's happening within their own communities but it's not going to change the plan from what is under what i understand although josh morgan says that they're flexible and if things don't work they're willing to adapt but but these plans are already in motion regardless of what the public thinks and regardless of these public consultation meetings. And again, going back to the fact that this is supposed to be a whole of community response to homelessness. So we're not supposed to just consider things from the homeless point of view. We're supposed to consider things from the community point of view. And there are apparently lots of business owners in Old East Village who don't feel that they have been con consulted about this. And they have been gravely impacted by homelessness in their community. They, they're incredibly concerned about things like uh, crime, open drug use, trash, that they're really concerned about the suffering that they see, the human excrement, this people strung out 
those who are half conscious, half dressed, doing drugs, and that the businesses are in peril. It's not that they don't care about these people, about the homeless community. They do deeply care, but they also want to keep their businesses alive. And they feel that there needs to be a better, more effective plan of dealing with them. Whatever happened to getting them on their feet, the home, getting the homeless people on their feet, off of addiction, into tiny housing, what happened to those plans? A lot of the people in the community feel that what they're doing is rather than helping the homeless, they're enabling the homeless. Now, in order to, to tide the homeless community over until they're able to get these service hubs and supportive housing units up and running in the fall and, and winter, they've come up with this sort of temporary plan, a temporary solution to the problem over the summer in the form of these service depots, which will be apparently be set up um, inside the four existing encampments. There's homeless encampments uh, along the Thames River, over 40 of these homeless encampments, but they're going to be setting up four service hubs within the vicinity of four encampments. Um, and they're going to be sort of a temporary solution to the problem. Now, uh, apparently, these service depots will cost $400,000 in addition to other services that will be provided by other service agencies with existing contracts. Apparently, the service Dep depot initiative, um, for the service depot initiative, the council approved an additional $100,000 to London Cares and the CMHA to execute the plan. And then there's an extra $255,000 from the city's reserve fund. Um, is, has also been approved for this. And apparently these service depots will offer food, water, hygiene, garbage, garbage collection, naloxone for overdose protection. Um, and they're going to be set up for 90 minutes at a time, seven days a week to support these basic needs. Now, the question is, there are a bunch of questions around it. Why did these particular agencies get the money to deliver these services? Um, why are we doing this now as many people in the community say that there are safety issues surrounding the encampments that are not being addressed? And also that what we're doing is, again, we're going away from like getting these people on their feet and enabling them. And that's what they fear, that what, are, what this is doing is enabling them. It's not getting them back on their feet off of addiction into housing and employed. It's just tidying them over with these Band-Aid solutions. And again, why certain groups getting the money and others not? It doesn't make any sense. Now, in addition to that, um, when these actual hubs do get up and running, there are some issues surrounding these hubs. And Miss Stevenson has raised some of these issues in her videos that I've watched on her Facebook page. She properly notes that millions upon millions have been spent on homelessness for years with the problem only getting worse. Why? And it's happening in other cities too. Is throwing money at the problem going to, to solve the issue? And again, if there are 45 encampments, how does visiting for 1.5 hours a day to only four of the encampments make a dramatic improvement? And not only that, when the hubs and the supportive housing units become available, if there are 2,000 homeless people in London, how do 105 highly supportive housing and five hubs with 30 people each have a significant impact on the crisis? Like, even if we achieve these goals for this year, that still leaves 1,750 people on the streets. Plus, the homeless numbers of homeless 
are increasing all the time on our city streets. So how is that actually actually helping? So there's so many issues surrounding this, these, these, inca- these service hubs, these temporary service hubs, the hubs that are eventually going to be set up in a more permanent basis. Why wasn't the public consulted? Why aren't the politicians who are elected consulted? How did they arrive at this amount of money to be budgeted for this? How are we going to maintain this amount of money to service this night at $90 million every year? Where is that money going to come from? Why weren't taxpayers included in, in the consultation about this? Why is the public being consulted after the fact? Why aren't the, why is it, if it's a whole of community um, plan, why isn't the whole of the community being genuinely involved? And why are only certain organizations getting this money? And on that note, this leads to another issue. And I know there are many, many other issues in relation to this, but I'm just going to focus on a few. Why is it that Safe Space London got funding and other organizations didn't? So I'll just explain this situation briefly. Um, There was another issue that took place earlier this year around Safe Space London. Now, Safe Space London is a drop-in center for homeless women, all right? It particularly deals with those, you know, women who are vulnerable, marginalized, um, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I guess that what happened in November of 2022, City Council approved up to $5 million for a winter response to homelessness. Um... And then there was a $650,000 budget item for Safe Space London included in that to provide 20 overnight drop-in spaces as well as 15 additional beds during cold weather alerts. Now, again, Safe Space is supposed to be a support center for sex workers, women, and gender nonconforming Londoners. Now, apparently, Ms. Stevenson said there was very little transparency and accountability to ensure that as many lenders as possible received this limited funding. And it wasn't exactly clear why Safe Space was the one to receive this money. Why Safe Space? Now, in April of 2023, Ms. Stevenson brought forward a motion to reallocate 325000 of this, this money that was allocated to London Care Safe Space London Shelter to other agencies. And she, there, there's very good reason why she proposed this. It's not done out of vindictiveness. Um, she proposed this because the $325,000 that had been earmarked for Safe Space London to support 20 overnight drop-in spaces for women, well, apparently Safe Space only guaranteed, um, that could guarantee the 18 bed, that beds would be made for 18 hours a day, as opposed to the 20 overnight drop space, drop-in space spaces, as well as 15 initial beds during cold weather alerts that were supposed to be available tw- for 24-7. That Safe Space, a fairly new organization, wasn't going to be able to actually fulfill its end of the bargain. And Ms. Stevenson pointed out, and there are other organizations that were, like the Salvation Army Center of Heart Hope, Arcade and Mission Services, that not only could they provide 24-7 beds, um, as well as three meals a day and snacks, but they could provide all of these services, so therefore more services, for fewer dollars. So why was this motion defeated? Why is this the organization that's receiving this money as opposed to other organizations? Hey, I work for some homelessness organizations. I know that they were not consulted in any of these plans. I know that they're not receiving any money from the city. Um, Why certain groups over others? Why certain groups consulted and receiving money over others? It doesn't make any sense. Again, where is the accountability? So the issues that Ms. Stevenson raises doesn't make her a Nazi. 
In fact, it makes her the total of the opposite. It makes her someone who is much more responsible and much more willing to be careful about how our tax dollars are being spent and where they're being spent and making sure that we're getting the most for our money and that we're being, that city councillors are being held accountable and transparent about the, about how they're, they're coming up with these plans and these budgets. So in fact, she's the complete opposite of that. The, the criticism should be directed at the city, other city councillors who, who don't seem to be willing to be that transparent, including the city manager, Lynn Livingstone, who's not interested in being transparent. Now, Miss, again, to give the other council, some other councillors credit, she's there, she's not, Miss Stevenson isn't the only one who's concerned about this. There's Jerry Privil, Steve Lehman, Peter Cuddy agreed that the money they have should be spent as carefully as possible. Now, in addition to all of these problems, there is there, the idea that more money is going to help the problem isn't necessarily the case anyway. And what really is the long-term solution to all this? It's not very clear. It's all very vague. And we seem to be moving away from a, um, trying to help, for instance, addicts who are and people with mental health issues who are more likely to be addicted, more likely to end up on the streets and more likely to have financial problems. There seems to be a move away from getting them off drugs to more than just helping make sure that they don't die while on drugs. And in fact, in the process, creating more addicts. There's this um, documentary called Canada's Dying, which is pointing out that decriminalizing drugs in BC, as well as providing um, users with safe supply and safe injection sites, isn't decreasing the addiction problems. It's fact, in fact, causing more of an addiction problem and causing um, and creating more addicts. So there are all sorts of questions that need to be raised. More debate needs to be had on all sides of this issue. And it doesn't appear to be happening. So guys, this particular podcast is just devoted to me asking questions, raising questions, what is our city what are city councillors doing with our money? Why aren't we privy to how they're they're how they're budgeting their money or coming up with plans for their, this money? Why aren't we as taxpayers given more say? Why do they come up with plans which appear to be a fait accompli and and then giving us pretending to give us public input after the fact? Why is it that certain organizations are giving getting money over others? Why are we going ahead with um, drug addiction programs, these harm reduction programs, and not listening to the alternative points of view? Why do we continue to spend money and not see results? I just, I mean, we can go on and on and on. I strongly um, urge you to contact your city councilors about this issue. Email them, write them, call them. Try to make this a public issue. Encourage the media to be more aggressive in questioning these people about what they are doing. Because they don't, they seem to be te- treating them with kid gloves. They seem to be getting away with, ed- with ed- whatever they want. And the people who are asking legitimate questions, raising legitimate concerns, people who are not in any way Nazis, who actually want to make a difference and improve the situation, who are just questioning the way things are done, why aren't they being given a, a voice, right? Why are they just being demonized? I could go on and on and on. All right, guys, I hope you take this opportunity to contact uh, our city councillors in London and do something about it. Raise your voices. They have way, way too much power and way too little accountability. All right, thanks a lot. Talk to you soon.